What's up, guys? Mike the Cop here for another episode of the Fantasy Baseball Police Podcast presented by FantasyAssembly.com. On today's show, we have a very special guest, the founder of AvidBoston.com and host of the Avid Boston Podcast. Let's welcome Terry Cushman to the show. Terry, how's it going? It is going well. Listen, tough way to end the season. Boston had a very good team. Astros really took it to them, won the series 3-1. to one. That was almost two months ago, so I assume you're over it by now. Let's talk some offseason. Hottest name in baseball, John Carlos Stanton. So the Red Sox have a realistic shot at Stanton, and if they do, what's it going to cost them? I think the Red Sox do have a, a very realistic shot at John Carlos Stanton. Um, it's tough to tell really what the price is going to be. I mean, Dieter's already kicking around the option of hanging on to him, at least for the start of the season. So that tells me that nobody is really meeting their asking price. So it's just a matter of what Dieter comes down to. And I'm fairly confident that Dave Dombrowski will not give up Benintendi or uh, Devers, which are our two top prospects. So... From there, it's whether or not we might be able to hold on to Jay Groom. He's our top pitching prospect. And then the two top prospects under him right now are Sam Travis and Michael Chavis, who have both hit very well through the minors. And I think Chavis was hitting over 400 in the uh, Arizona Fall League. So um, it'll probably cost at least, I would say, one or two of the Groom, Chavez, and uh, Sam Travis uh, area, and then they'll probably fill it out with uh, middle to lower end prospects after that is my expectation, if it happens. And that actually, my next question was, which you said Dombrowski won't give up either Devers or Benatendi. If you're in his spot, are you giving up Devers or Benatendi to create a package for Stan? I hope not. I I got a room full of Red Sox stuff right now, and I would burn it all if he gave away either one of those guys. Uh, the, the the big problem, see, I don't want Stanton. And as I just said, it, it's definitely realistic, but I want a guy for at least more than three years. I don't know if I want a guy for 10 years, you know, with a large contract like that. But for only three years, I don't want to give up a ton for him. And I just... You know, we're going to talk about J.D. Martinez in a little bit, but he could be had for zero prospects in probably at least four or five years. And I just think that there's better value there than giving up prospects for Stanton. Listen, I don't know you personally, but that's probably something I'm going to hold you to. I don't think I've heard the words, (laughs) I don't want Stanton by anybody yet, but we'll see what happens with that. Like you said, J.D. Martinez He's going to be entering his it's 30 years old. Last season, everybody knows what he did. He went to Arizona, completely killed it. 45 homers on the year, 104 RBIs. And like you said, an alternative, if they don't get Stanton, would be Martinez. And maybe you could keep Devers, you could keep Ben you could keep Bogarts. And a guy like Jay Groom, I'm assuming, is what they would ask for. Is that something you're willing to go up for, J.D. Martinez? Well, J.D. Martinez is a free agent, so there you don't have to give up anybody. It's just a straight-up signing. I I would put Jay Groom in a Stanton package just because I feel like, you know, pitchers are so much more finicky to develop, you know. I mean, we all thought Henry Owens was going to be this great pitcher in our system, and 
he just didn't pan out. We're still waiting for Eduardo Rodriguez, <laughs> you know, and we got him three years ago from uh, the Orioles in the Andrew Miller trade. So um, I would give up Groom in a, in a in a big trade, you know, whether it's Stanton or um, I would love to take a stab at Joey Votto, to be honest with you, and I would put him in that deal. So I'd much rather give him up, you know, no matter who we're talking about versus – you know, the two super prospects we have, or even uh, Sam Travis or Michael Chavis. So my mistake about the JD thing, it's Thanksgiving week. It's been a long week. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, no problem. Another guy, maybe on a little bit of a lesser scale, but he's he might be just as good in Boston. Eric Hosmer, he's going to be 28 by the start of the season. Another guy, 25 homers, they should look into signing. His 162-game average is 284, 20 bombs, 90 RBIs, 10 stolen bases. So he's something they should look into. And I even saw Jose Abreu. But if they strike out, they got to land gold on somebody here because they need somebody to play the DH first base because Hanley at first base every day. We'll talk about him a little later in the show. I don't know if that's going to cut it. I, I'm not sure if Hanley will cut it either. Uh, going uh, back to Hosmer, um, I he's one of the sexy names, as you could put it, you know, up there with, you know, Martinez and, a couple other uh, free agents, and I just don't know that he's really going to be worth the asking price either. I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of casual Fairweather fans would love to have an Eric Cosmer, but you could go get Jay Bruce, who would put up very similar numbers. He actually, Jay Bruce had 36 home runs, 101 RBIs, and most of that was for a crappy New York Mets team, and I just think there's better value there because he's not quite going to command a, a $100 million deal. He probably falls in the 80 to $90 million range, and I, I fully expect Hosmer to end up in the 125 to $140 million range. And when we have bad contracts, like you said, with Hanley, and we're still paying Pablo Sandoval for the next couple of years, I just, I, at this point, I'd rather go for value. So I would stay away from, from Hosmer, but... You know, it, it, it's not the worst thing to have Eric Hosmer on your team. So Yeah, I can't disagree with you there. And by the looks of it, the lineup is pretty solid. You got Vasquez, Hanley, Pedroia, Bogarts, Devers, Benny, Jackie Bradley Jr., and Betts. You're really just missing that one key guy to slide Hanley over to DH and play at first base. But a guy I just mentioned there, Bogarts, do we really know what we're going to get from him? Because my fantasy owners are listening now, and they want to know if drafting Xander Bogarts is a good idea or a bad idea. 2016, he was a monster. 294, 21 homers, 89 RBIs, stole 13 bags, and all his numbers decreased this year, hitting 273, 10 homers, 62 RBIs. His war actually went from a 3.7 to a 2.2. Is this somebody that my fantasy owner should take a stab at, maybe buy low here since the season he had last year, or is he, is he actually not that good? I would definitely draft him low. I wouldn't take him early in in your drafts. Uh, he's still probably one of the better shortstops, but he's not going to hit a lot of home runs. Uh, it's tough to tell where they're going to bat him in the order. If he's at the, the top of the order, he might drive in a few more runs. But the big problem with him is is he lacks a lot of confidence in the power department. And... When you see guys like Lindor and uh, I'm drawing blanks, there's a lot of big shortstops out right now. Uh, Rendon, 
uh, with the Nationals and even Didi Gregorius, really. Xander's just not on that level. He hasn't really come into his own as a power hitter. And I just, I think, you know, he is what he is. I think these numbers are along the lines of what he's going to be. And he's just a pretty decent contact hitter. And uh, he'll get on base. Uh, the first half of er the last two seasons have been good. And and the one thing he excelled very well at is he could he could slap the ball to the opposite field. And then, and then it seemed like opposing pitchers seemed to figure that out, and they took it away from him in the uh, second half. So he'll have to solve that a little bit. But other than his home run numbers, he he'll get a lot of hits. He'll probably score a lot of runs, probably drive in a few because, you know, I, he's hit right around 200 the last couple of seasons. So to answer your question, I, I wouldn't draft high on him, but he definitely is worth, um, you know, in the middle to late part of your draft. He's going to be a big key for the Red Sox success because they lost Nunez, Moreland, Rajah Davis, Chris Young, Sandy Leon. They lost all these guys. They're, they don't really have much depth. I mean, besides Brock Holt, they really don't have a bench. So Bogarts is going to be a huge part of how far the Red Sox go this year. Another guy who's going to be a huge part of how far the Red Sox go this year, and I'm I'm not sold on him at all. He won the Cy Young, Porcello. I mean, 2017, his ERA was a 4.65. His career ERA is a 4.25. And three out of the nine seasons he's been a major leaguer, his ERA has been over four. That had to be a fluke year, 2016, right? I would definitely say it was a fluke for sure. I mean, his career average, I think, is 425, and he could—he's still young enough. He could trend a little better than that, you know, maybe to the upper threes. But that Cy Young year, as you said, was definitely a fluke or an anomaly, however you want to put it. And I wouldn't be drafting him very high either you know he could be a great uh late option he does tend to strike out a lot of guys if he can get a sinker ball uh going and so there could be a lot of reward you know if you were to pick him up late but i don't expect him to pitch in 2018 like he did in 2016 i think 2016 is the the extreme opposite of the good end of the scale and, and last year is probably the you know the complete opposite end of that so if he just ended up somewhere in the middle I, I think he ends up being a 12 to 14 win uh, pitcher with hopefully an upper threes ERA and he's got two more years on his contract so maybe the Red Sox could find the suitor for him and include him in a package deal or whatever they do they need to either move on or make a decision here because He's really not not what anybody thinks he is. And he'll be part of the success, like I said about Bogarts. Another guy that'll be part of to determine the success of the Red Sox is Hanley. He's been there for three years now. 2015, 249. 2016, 286. 2017, 242. So he had the one good year out of three so far. He only had 400 at bats in 2015. But he's going to be a free agent after the season. He's 34 years old. They can't be expecting too much from him, right? Um. Hopefully not, because, you know, if they don't, then Dombrowski will, you know, will really reinforce this team, you know, beyond that one big bat. Maybe he 
you know, maybe he'll bring in someone else or um, trade for someone. You know, it's tough to tough to say. But um, the the one painful thing about this Ramirez thing is he actually does have a vesting option for um, 2019, so we could potentially have him for two years if he has. I think it's 450 at bats is what would get that option to vest. So. Um, you know, it, I'm kind of hoping it doesn't, but, you know, on the other hand, you kind of, if you need him to perform, you, you know, you're going to kind of, you know, root for his success, even at the cost of an expensive uh, option year in 2019. So I'm fairly optimistic he'll uh, do well. I, You know, Alex Cora is, is you know, the, the new manager and, they're um, both Dominican, so I think with a little bit better communication there, you know, maybe that would pick his numbers up closer to what he had in, in 2016. And the other thing, too, with Hanley is if we do get Stanton, maybe Hanley gets put in that package to help offset some of the money a little bit. So uh, I wouldn't say he's definitely going to be uh, on the opening day roster, but more likely than not, he will be. So you're sitting here, end of November, after Thanksgiving, you got Chris Sale, Rick Porcello, Drew Pomeranz, Eduardo Rodriguez, who just had the knee surgery in October, and Stephen Wright, who's coming off the big injury. And I'm looking at this pitching staff, and although there's some question marks there, the biggest question mark, I assume you would agree, is David Price, because who knows what they're going to do with them. What do you think they're going to do with him? I mean, at the end of the last year, he pitched eight and two-thirds, didn't give up a run to end the season coming out of the bullpen. In the playoffs, six and two-thirds, didn't give up a run coming out of the bullpen. He only had 74 innings pitched in the regular season. I'm assuming they're going to put him back to starter, but is that where he could succeed the most, or you think he might have a role setting up Kimbrell? Oh, I definitely think he's going to be in the rotation uh, when he's healthy enough to do so. And if he's not healthy enough to be in the rotation, he just shouldn't be pitching, in my opinion. I mean, he needs to have that surgery, whatever it is, even if that means he's not going to opt out at the end of next season. So I fully expect him to start whenever he's healthy enough to do so. Dave Dombrowski said in his uh, post-playoff press conference that the expectation is for him to definitely be ready for uh, opening day. So I don't know if they're going to do, you know, do some type of specialized rehab throughout the off season or some type of unique uh, throwing program, you know, that differs from previous years. And, but the thing about Dombrowski is, is he, he struggles with the truth. So who knows, you know, who knows what it is, you know, for anybody listening, Take your least favorite politician, no matter what side of the spectrum on, and and just tell yourself that Dombrowski lies more than that person, because that's exactly what it is, you know. And uh, that actually brings me, trust. that actually brings me to a fan submitted question at Mr. Scott actually asked, when does the hashtag Fired Dombrowski podcast start? So maybe that's <laughs> you should get going. Yeah, well, if you're not. I don't know how long you've been following me, but um, I was basically the leader of the fire feral movement, or at least a field general. You know, there might have been, I'm sure there were higher profile people, you know, and with an EI or the sports hub in Boston that um, 
that disliked him as much. But that's what my whole Twitter theme was, was just an anti-feral hate fest. And uh, I don't think I'm going to get on Dombrowski until maybe the end of the year. I'm not sure that his job is safe if the Red Sox miss the playoffs. Uh, you know, they could very well toss him out. And one of the things that was very telling to me was at the July 31st deadline last year, ownership uh, publicly said that Dave Dombrowski will not be trading any more top prospects, at least for the trade deadline. And so that told me his seat's getting a little bit hotter. And, uh, and John Farrell, some of us were kind of confused as to why he was kept for 2017. And the reason why he was kept was because Dombrowski needs a punching bag, you know, someone to to take the abuse so that he's not taking it himself. And he had no choice but to fire Farrell. And, and now the pressure's solely on him. I don't think the pressure's even on Cora as much as it is Dombrowski right now. And I think that's that's the case for most managers. They end up being the scapegoat. But when you really look into it, a team that was full of question marks had a great year with Bogarts, Purcell, Hanley, and Price just being some of the few of the question marks. They really, I mean, they exceeded expectations for me at least. Two guys that were a big part of that were Devers and Benatendi, and those are two guys I'm getting questions all day on from fantasy guys. Who's better than who? Who's better than who? Devers, of course, 21 years old, 284, 10 homers, 30 RBIs. And Benintendi went 2020, a very quiet 2022, 271 and 90 RBIs. I mean, he's only 23 years old. So you would think the argument would end there. You would obviously choose Benintendi, but then the, the series against the Astros, Devers hits 364, Benintendi hits 250. Who do you think has the higher ceiling between these guys? Well, coming into this season, you know, if you're talking it from a fantasy draft perspective, I would say probably Benintendi is the safe pick of the two. But I, part of me does think that Devers does have the higher ceiling, you know, if you want to take the risk, because I, I just think he's got a lot more raw power. The one thing that I was extremely encouraged by was, Throughout his debut and the postseason itself, the moment was never too big for him. You know, he shined and he didn't, the pressure didn't get to him. And, and, you know, watching so many guys fail over the years in, in the city of Boston, um, Alan Craig, Will Middlebrooks, um, Pablo Sandoval, you know, there was at least one other recent one. Uh, but all, none of those guys could really handle it. And Carl Crawford, too, if you want to go back a few more years. And to see a guy like Devers come up and, and do what he did, it's just really encouraging. And I'm really excited. But right now I'd say I'd say Ben Attendee, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if Devers hit 30, 35 home runs next year with an upper 290s average. So Yeah, me neither. Going over to the prospects, we've been talking about the whole first base DH situation. We saw Sam Travis come up last year. He had 263 and 76 at-bats. Any chance he's making the opening day roster as a first baseman, or you think they'll definitely go out and get somebody? Um, it's tough to tell. I, I mean, if, if we're only going to make a splash on one bat, um, he might have a realistic chance if he makes spring training, you know, if he has a good spring training, I mean, 
Um, and we've seen guys do that over the years. So it's tough to tell. I think as well as whoever that big bad ends up being, I think uh, Nunez has a good chance to come back as well. So, And part of my reasoning behind that is Pedroia is not going to be ready for at least the first two months, maybe even three months, because he just had a pretty uh, intensive knee surgery. So we're going to need another you know, another player, another impact player uh, on the roster. So, you know, if, if Nunez does come back, I don't know. And then say you get a Martinez in there, I think that puts Hanley at first or, you know, a Jay Bruce type guy. It's, a, it's too early to tell really with Sam Travis, but I was really encouraged with what I saw. And a lot of people are quick to say, well, he didn't hit any home runs. His power numbers were down. But he was basically just a spot starter and was never really given uh, a lengthy opportunity to see what he could do. So, And he's hit very well at every level of the minors. So um, I like him, and I'm kind of hoping we hold on to him. Uh, two other prospects they got, we talked about earlier, Jay Groom, 19 years old. He struggled a little bit in A-ball. His area is around the 6-7, but those are just kinks that will work through. And the other guy, Michael Chavis, you said in the Arizona Fall League, he's killing it, 22 years old. He's the number five third baseman. He's 302 average in the minors, 250 in double A. Any chance we see these guys in 2018, assuming that they stay put on the Red Sox? I think you'll definitely see – uh, one of the two for sure, uh, probably late spring, early summer. A number of things can factor into that, you know, injuries, maybe Hanley just isn't performing. Um, I just feel like, it, you know, there, there wasn't really a spot for Bogarts in, in 2013, but they found a way to get him in there. And I, I think that, I, I think that one of, uh, Travis or Chavis will, uh, will definitely find their way on the roster. And right. Groom will be – Groom is way out, I think, at least another couple of years. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So before we wrap it up here, 2018, worst-case scenario, the Red Sox finish where? Wild card? <laughs> the worst-case scenario for you realistically? Uh, that's a tough one. I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if we missed the playoffs altogether, to be honest with you. Um I, I don't think we will, but I, I think that is the worst-case scenario is we do miss because I think we're going to have a division race with the Yankees. Uh, they're not really losing anyone, maybe Sabathia. Uh, I think they're going to continue their upward trend, and, you know, the Astros and the Indians are going to be good. Um, you, you never know. Like, the Rangers could bounce back. Their window's fairly short. Seattle always has a ton of talent but can never seem to get there, so – you know, if, if a lot of teams end up being really good, I could see the Red Sox winning 89, 90 games and still not getting in. So it, it's just, it's really impossible to tell right now. We should get in. We should win the division, but I, I hate to put a guarantee on it. Yeah, I see. They, they'll be around. At the very least, I think they're going to be competitive. Absolutely. Yeah, they'll be around. And before we go, maybe the most important question of this whole entire podcast. I see on your Twitter it says you're a chocolate milk connoisseur. So <laughs> if I were to go to the store right now and pick up one bottle of chocolate milk, what am I grabbing? 
Well, if you're in the New England area, and I don't know how far out of Maine they go, because that's where I'm from is Maine, uh, Oakhurst Dairy is the big dairy up here. But um, worst case, you could get a Hershey's chocolate milk and probably be just fine. <laughs> you go bad with the Hershey's. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Terry Cushman from Avid Boston. You could follow him on Twitter at AvidBOS underscore podcast. You can follow the Avid Boston Twitter at Avid Boston. And don't forget to follow me at Mike the Cop, Mike TH3 Cop. Terry, thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you. Hope to hear from you soon. Have a good one.